Welcome to another episode of Tachlis Talks, growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcasts. We are up to the Torah portion of Ayetze, the Parsha within which we meet Lavan. Well, actually, we re-meet Lavan. We were introduced to him briefly back when Eliezer was searching for a wife for Yitzhak. And Eliezer, of course, finds Rivka, the brother of Lavan. And now, in this week's Parsha, after, at the end of last week's Parsha, Yaakov was being sent away from home because Esav wants to kill him, and he must escape. Or, as Yitzhak describes it, together with Rivka, we're sending you away to find a wife back with her family that directs uh, Yaakov to travel to the household of Lavan. And in this week's Parsha, Lavan becomes Yaakov's father-in-law multiple times. And as we read through, and especially with the aid of Rashi and the commentaries, we discover many character flaws in Lavan. We find him as greedily searching Yaakov to see if perhaps he's hidden away some type of jewels and gifts to be giving. He's surprised he doesn't see him laden with wealth. Another story, why Yaakov was rid of his wealth at this point. But Lavan is convinced he must have something, and if he does, I want to find it. And at the end of the Parsha, Lavan manipulating the terms of their business arrangement multiple times. And of course, when it came to simply the issue of marrying Lavan's daughter, Rachel, with Lavan swapping out and putting Leah in place and getting another seven years of work out of Yaakov, a greedy guy. And we certainly find him challenging and even threatening Yaakov at the end of the Parsha. But when looking at our Pesach Seder, at the Haggadah we read on Pesach, we portray Lavan in a more extreme light. The text of the Haggadah describes that Bikesh Lavan Lakor Esakol, he wanted to wipe it all out. He wanted to destroy us. And we make the expression over there, Arami Oved Avi. The Arami, we're referencing how we actually talk about Lavan when bringing the Bikurim gifts to Shalayim, we would talk to the Kohen and declare that in our history, there was this Arami, this one from Aram, which again, we understand, and certainly in the Haggadah, we're understanding that to refer to Lavan. Oved Avi is wanting to wipe out our father, Oved. In the present tense, he's in a constant state of eliminating our father. And that's seen as the hint to he wanted to destroy everything. He was battling against us big time. But where do we see that? Where do we see that he's battling us big time? And how in fact is he battling us big time? And where is there any indication that this is an ongoing battle? And what can we learn from that? Well, in Siv, Rav Studio Berlin has a very, very lengthy essay printed in the back of his commentary on Shir HaShirim, an essay that we could would have hoped would have been relegated to the world of theoretics by now. He wrote this about two centuries ago, but unfortunately, as we record this today, we feel it all the more so. And the essay is on the topic of the sinah, the hatred associated with the anti-Shemi, with the anti-Semite, anti-Semitism. And it's a very lengthy essay on the topic of anti-Semitism with a lot of focus on Lavan as a certain paradigm of the problem of anti-Semitism that we face when we are in exile. Yaakov is in exile over here dealing with Lavan. 
And Lavan is described in our Pesach Seder as wanting to get rid of us. But again, where do we see that in the text? It says the Nitziv, look carefully. When Lavan is challenging Yaakov at the end of the story, and he tells him that if not for the fact that your God appeared to me last night, I would have within me to be doing ra, to be doing bad with you. I would be wanting to do this bad with you. Who's you? Now in English, it's not so evident. But in the Hebrew, imachem, with you, it's not imcha, with you, singular, but rather imchem, with you, plural. I would be ready to do ra with you, plural, with all of you. Despite the fact that most of this you are the daughters and grandchildren of Lavan. And the plural is used again over there when he describes your God. Your God who's getting in the way. Your God is again with the you being in a plural form. Lavan is challenging this whole group. The Yaakov camp. Again, Lavan's daughters and grandchildren, but they're all part of that you. They're the other to Lavan. They're the, they're the opposite. They're that which he's clashing with. And it points to the fact that everything about the clash, the showdown over here between Yaakov and Lavan is not simply a matter of a greedy father-in-law or a stingy or miserly father-in-law, but somebody who's viewing Judaism as the fact that's the, the conflict over here. When he describes, you stole my God, my trophim that Rachel had taken, he's assuming Yaakov, or at least this team had taken it, he's viewing this as a challenge of Judaism against his world and his valentine of idolatry. Certainly perceiving some truth over there. But it goes further. He understands the very fact that we would have taken anything from him, which he assumes we did. And heroically, Yaakov is able to show him nothing of yours is among our assets over here. Imagine that, to have lived decades in your in-law's home and be leaving there without one washcloth. There's no diaper, right? There's no paperclip. There's nothing that you've taken. Your children have been part of this scene over here. And good chance the children were back and forth between Grandpa Lovin's house. But nothing that you can point to over here. There's no sippy cup that belonged to Lovin among all of Yako's assets. But Lovin is viewing that as, I'm assuming you took because I'm assuming that you're condescending upon me, that your religion preaches that you can take advantage of me. Lovin is assuming that everything about Yaakov that he doesn't like is a reflection of the Judaism, or we should say the monotheistic system of which Yaakov is an adherent, which is contrary to Lavan. Lavan was ready to destroy us. Thankfully, he was not able to, but it's reflective of the fact that very often in history, when we have engagement with society around us, and it seems rather peaceful. And before this last showdown, good chance that they ate dinners together, Love and took the grandkids to the zoo. There probably was a lot of natural interconnectivity, as one would expect between a grandfather and his grandchildren. And then it's right, so we can expect it was overall a rather calm and cordial type of a relationship. And yet, Deep down, Lovin has it in for this entire group. Interestingly, this is manifest in another element, where Lovin says, I'm challenging you, you didn't give me the opportunity to kiss my children. Now, on a simple level, 
It's the grandfather saying, hey, I'm upset at you. You didn't give me that opportunity for their farewell. But reading what one of the great commentators tells us about another kiss that follows soon after this, we can imagine that there's something deeper here. The Talmud tells us, the Rabbeinu Ephraim tells us that at the end of this scene, where in fact Lovin does kiss his children, he kisses all those grandchildren, all but Binyamin, who was not yet born, all of his other children that he's kissed. In the process of his kissing them, he's attempting to bond with them and make them Lovin like grandchildren. Lovin's attempt at this kiss is hope to hold on to them, to influence them, to give them that touch of Lovin, have them think of Grandpa Lovan as their role model and not their father Yaakov, he's trying to infect them with his kiss. There is a matter that actually in- indicates that there is some consequence that all of them have some touch other than Binyamin who is untouched. But, Rabbeinu Ephraim points to an interesting verse in Psalms. King David in uh, Kapitel Kofmem in chapter 140 describes God as the one who's always Yeshuasi our powerful salvation, Sakosa Laroshi, you protect our head Yom Nashek, on the day of Nashek. Simple understanding, Yom Nashek, Neshek is a term used in modern Israel for weapons, and in ancient Hebrew as well, on a day of battle. You protected me on a day of battle, but says Rabbeinu Ephraim, it could have other meaning related to the day of the kiss. You protected me on the day of the kiss in number one, that you made sure it was only a kiss and that Lovin did not actually attack. But more sophisticated, meaning number two, you protected me on the day of the kiss that the kiss wasn't able to accomplish what Lovin was hoping the kiss would accomplish because the kiss itself was dangerous. Lovin was upset that we left without that kiss. He was upset that we left without his being able to further influence us. And he was trying one last dose of influence as we leave. We find even when they put up a pile as a monument and a, and a, a kind of a border between the two of them, Lovin refers to the monument specifically in the Aramaic. Yaakov renames the monument in the Hebrew. Lovin wanted us to remember, whenever we pass this spot, remember Lovin and his culture, the Aramaic reflecting the culture of Aram. And Yaakov says, we'll look at the same monument and I'll use the Lashon HaKodesh, God's holy language, and remember the distinction that we have. The Nitziv, again, just pulling a few points out of his essay, shares one more fascinating piece. He says, there are several verses that describe the correlation between Israel and the nations with the nations being Mayim, being water, and Israel being Esh, being fire. Rashley actually references the verse in this week's Parsha, when Yosef is born, when Joseph is born, Yaakov now decides it's time to go back to Israel. The correlation between Joseph's birth and Yaakov feeling that now it's safe, I don't have to worry about Esav, is the fact that Yaakov is described as fire, but even the fire needs its kindling agent, and that's Yosef. Yaakov is the fire, Israel that develops from Yaakov is the fire. And the nations of the world are the water. Water and fire, well, invariably when they meet, something's going to give. But, interestingly, when there is a barrier between the two, not only does there not have to be a tension between the two, 
but there can be an enhancement of the water through the fire. Put the water into a container, put that over the fire, and now you have the ability to do so much more with that bubbling, boiling water. You, you can have such greater effect with that water in converting so many other foods to now become edible and use the energy of that boiling water, which the fire can allow, and our interaction can be one, where we can create a positive effect on the rest of the world, but we have to maintain the recognition that if we take away the barrier, that water comes and floods us. And that our need, when surrounded by the various loved ones who can be very grandfatherly and potentially, when we use the relationship correctly, recognize the value of what we are as fire, not want to stifle that, but that they can actually take advantage of that for their own development. But we have to recognize that if we eliminate either the barrier or our energy as the fire. We try to quote-unquote, pardoning the pun, but maybe very appropriate here, water down who and what we are, and we simply lose our energy. Or we take away all barriers and say, let's just all blend together and kumbaya, it'll all be great, and doesn't have us fare very well, and doesn't do anything for the rest of the world either. And the rest of the world in a sense, on a subconscious or meta-subconscious level, understand that we need to be excellent for them to achieve their best interests. And they don't let us forget that. They don't let us forget that we need to be who we must be. So in thinking about the Lavan of this week's Parsha and the various elements that we see in Lavan, of course, avoiding the greed that he displays and the trickery that he is the paradigm for, but even as far as the general relationship, recognizing that the last encounter sheds a lot of light on what he really stands for and what he really is thinking, and asking God to protect us on that day of the Nashek, on the day of the battle, to protect us that, that there be no battle, to protect, protect us that it only be a kiss and that the kiss only be a positive influence kiss. If we can, with God's help, be in a world where those battles can be eliminated and where the, 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 re- the recognition of who we are and who they are and how we can affect positively with a proper barrier that allows the fire to do its job on the water, can bring the water to its perfection while we and our, have our fire energy uh, to its max. Hopefully... With such an attitude, not only we, but the rest of the world, in its broad entirety, can ultimately achieve its talkless.